Welcome, guys, to Locked On Marlins. It is Thursday, the 9th of February. Yes, sir. There's some news to come today, but we're not going to focus in on that news. The news that's expected today is the World Baseball Classic rosters. Yes, sir. That news is coming later on. It's un-UK friendly, perhaps. So today's episode, we're going to continue on with the position battles. And this must be the spiciest of all positions and all battles heading into spring. Yes, it is second base. We may need the full episode on second base, but we may also bleed into shortstop as they are very heavily connected. So we're going to dig into what's up for what's up for grabs this spring. How does Jazz feed into this? How does he not? Tons to get into all on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I, of course, am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you are listening, hit subscribe. Thank you for listening and welcome. Welcome to Thursday's episode of Locked On Marlins. Uh, yes, there is a YouTube channel. Head over to there if you would like the uh, video version. Uh, but if you like the audio, hit subscribe on your pods. Uh, or why not head over to head over to YouTube, hit subscribe there too. Um, thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day, guys. We are continuing on from yesterday's theme, spring training battles. Likely tomorrow, Friday's episode, we will likely uh, be talking about the WBC rosters. However, this episode is being recorded and dropping too early for that. Uh, I've texted Jazz to see if there's any information regarding him playing for Great Britain. He hasn't responded. He has ghosted me, which says to me that Jazz is unlikely to be on that roster, as we know the Marlins they have the ability to block that because of Jazz's uh, amount of time spent on the IL. So, not expecting that. The Marlins want to prioritize getting Jazz ready to play center field. We understand that. As a British fan, trust me, that is pain as a Marlins fan. Makes total sense. And this is Locked on Marlins. And so, I know my audience. What a great move by the Marlins. <laughs> um, before we get into it, guys... Uh, reminder that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, its official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. You can visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And more about those guys later on. So let's continue the conversation from yesterday. Yesterday we talked about catcher. We talked about first base. Uh, if you haven't listened, go and listen. It sounds like a really unsexy episode. Uh, but there was some cricket talk in there. Um, there was some Jesus Sanchez slander by accident. Uh, he was catching strays. I didn't, I didn't mean uh, for any strays going uh, towards Jesus Sanchez, but it was what it was because we got into Heyran and Canacion. Uh, so go and listen to yesterday's episode. It was an interesting one, for sure. And today, we're carrying on that theme. We're going to talk about second base. Well, we'll start with second base. We may bleed into shortstop, uh, but overall, second base, what, you know, what decisions, what is there to play for at second base? Oh, man, where do we start? I mean, I put a tweet out earlier this offseason just kind of joking about you know, the sheer volume of second basemen that the Marlins actually have on this roster. You know, when we look at it, there's, you know, who have we got? We got Jazz, who played the majority of time last year when he was healthy. They've traded for Luis Arias, uh, who has played 
some second base. You've added Gene Segura through free agency, who predominantly has played at second base last year. You've got Joey Wendell on the roster already, uh, who played a ton of second base last year. You've got John Birdie that's played a ton of second base. You've got Jordan Groshans. Uh, you've probably got a few other guys that could play second base. So the Marlins could go in many, many different directions. When the Gene Segura deal happened, my assumption at that point was Gene Segura going to be playing second base. I, I, I put it out there. I felt like Miguel Rojas's time was likely over. Jazz would likely transition over to shortstop, take over that role full-time, and the Marlins would look to move on from Miggy Rowe. I got that part right, um, but what I didn't uh, anticipate, well, it's unfair. I thought that it's possible the Marlins may entertain the Jazz at center field uh, conversation, uh, but with no real obvious shortstop on the roster either, it felt to me like Jazz to shortstop would be the obvious move, the obvious fit. Uh, what this is saying to me right now overall is uh, the Marlins don't really truly believe in Jazz at short. Otherwise, um, you know that would have probably been more of a story. But equally, he solves a problem potentially at center field. So let's go back to second base. Let's consider that. Here's what the Marlins are telling us right now. They're saying that Luis Arias is going to be the starting second baseman. Luis Arias will be playing every day. So if Arias is playing at second base and he's, he's the starter at second base every day, then he's going to get a ton of playing time there. He'll spot uh, Cooper Loop at first, may have some time at the DH spot as well, just to you know get him off his feet. Let's say um, because it's going to be more it's going to be more asked of the second baseman um, than, than perhaps there has been in the past few years. These new shift rules, you know, really impact second base because. They haven't got effectively a third baseman stood behind them uh, in a heavy shift like they used to have last year. Third baseman stood in shallow right. You know, all of a sudden, it's it, it's a different proposition. The agility, the speed, the flexibility, all of these things, which actually really suit uh, Gene Segura and Jazz Chisholm's profile. Um, we're we're going to go with Luis Arias. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting task out there. It's going to be an interesting ask. The question is, right now, and and. The Marlins have put it out there that Jazz is going to center field. Jazz has put it out there that he's embraced it. He, he he suggested it, and he's embraced it. Going into spring, this is one of the key, key situations for the fish. It really is. You know, and let's start with Jazz, because this all starts with him. Um, because you can't name Luis Arias as the starting second baseman if Jazz Chisholm is playing there. Because, listen, Jazz is this team, and he is this roster right now, and this lineup. So... Spring training fundamentally is going to be how does Jazz look in center field? Can he handle the position? Can he make it work? It's, it's the biggest, the biggest question of the offseason, in my opinion. And can he adapt? Does he look okay out there? And are the Marlins walking into opening day confident that Jazz Chisholm Jr. can handle center field every day? That's the main question that needs to be answered this spring. So, Here's the, you know, if it works, and I've said about it, if it works, it's going to be phenomenal for the Marlins because they've got other guys that can play second base. Whether that's Luis Arias, whether that's Gene Segura or someone else, they have solutions at second base. They have limited solutions at center field, hence why they've square peg, round hold it with effectively their MVP candidate. Jazz Chisholm, if he can make it work defensively out there at center field, uh, it's going to be a huge boost for this Marlins team, this roster, the way it's constructed. 
because fundamentally they don't have anyone else. They've tried other guys. It, it hasn't worked. They don't really have anyone right there at the upper minors either that looks likely to fill this void. The only way they could have filled this void was via trade. Clearly, they've been down that path for many, well, for two seasons now, and they can't get a deal done. Center fielders, uh, you know, top draw ones, elite level, let's say, um, there's not many of them that are readily available. And so that's the problem. There's just, it's a scarcity. Um, come free agency, the Marlins are priced out. And trade-wise, you know, you need guys on 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 teams that are trying not to win, let's say. And, you know, there's not many of them either, I guess, that have the, the good center fielders out there. Clearly, we can talk about Brian Reynolds and we've talked about it plenty. But fundamentally, going back to Jazz, if he can make it stick, that is huge. If he can't, this is where things get very interesting for the Marlins. Why? Because Jazz has to play pretty much every day. Yes, he may sit against lefties, but fundamentally, Jazz is, of course, going to be an everyday starter for the Marlins. And if he can't make it work in center field, what happens next? Where does he default into? For me, that is, he, he's shown he, he has an above average ability at second base, but there's multiple other guys there. Jazz wants to play shortstop. He has a desire to play in that spot. And so if he can't make it work at center field, something goes wrong, the Marlins change their mind, then Jazz Chisholm, where does he slot? I think he slots into shortstop at that point because, well, and that's another battle we're going to talk about. But it, it the, the, the retract away from center field for Jazz, in my opinion, is probably unlikely to be second base just to the sheer amount of guys that can play that position. But for me, that is a battle. It's an internal battle. It's a development battle. Jazz is going out there in spring to prove that he can play this position for the Marlins. And the Marlins want it to work and they want that to happen. But if it doesn't, they need to have plan B and they need to consider what that could look like. And again, that starts to impact the outfielders. It starts to impact Brian De La Cruz, JJ Blade, perhaps, Jorge Soler, perhaps, where you start to need to shuffle the outfield to cater for uh, a, a different center fielder and one that isn't Jazz Chisholm. And then you then have to flex your infield to incorporate Jazz Chisholm because he's a stud. <laughs> so many things and so many impacts here linked to whether Jazz can make it work at center field. It is absolutely massive. It is the most critical point for the Marlins in spring training, in my opinion. Um, there's tons of other guys this impacts too. So we're going to talk about them uh, right after. I knew the second base would, would definitely overspill, at least beyond the ad. But here is the ad, and it's our good friends over at FanDuel. Of course, they need the graphics because they're big player now. So let's get the graphics up for them, boys. Um, and it's also, it is approaching, guys. Super Bowl season is almost here. And it's the only app you need for your Super Bowl party. And it's FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Uh, we're absolutely delighted um, that they're our new sports betting partner for Locked On because, as I've already mentioned, they're the number one sports book. Uh, if you're new to FanDuel, then this is even better for you guys. They've got so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download, download FanDuel now, uh, and you can then bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. They let you bet on everything from money line, point spreads, who will score a touchdown. You name it, FanDuel, have it. Get yourselves in there. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Uh, best of all, when you get your winnings, they are paid instantly. So there we go. Straight away, go and splash the cash. Uh, you can join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. It's FanDuel, 
dot com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports book partner of the NFL. All right, so second base, where else are we going? What else is in play? Well, what is in play, and it, this kind of links to, to, to second base, but to the infield in general, is potentially the bench spot here. Because as I mentioned yesterday, and you know, roster resource have Jordan Groshans down uh, potentially as the, the bench bat, which makes sense, uh, but we shouldn't forget, uh, you know, there are a few other names uh, that, that are on the 40-man as well. So they're... You know their potentials. Um, you know there's and there's also, I guess, non non roster invitee Charles LeBlanc, um, the French legend. LeBlanc is still with the Marlins um, and is is you know is going to be in spring camp, of course. Um, so that's going to be interesting for certain. You've also got Jacob Amaya, recently acquired uh, from the Dodgers. You've also this is a very intriguing one too. You've got Garrett Hampson in camp, and I think a lot of people. Uh, expect Hampson to, whether it's uh, at opening day specifically, but a lot of people expect Hampson to, to to see some time for the Marlins. So for me, he is probably the one to watch. And it would not shock me if Hampson ends up earning a job here um, for the fish. And it could be that potentially a, a, a Groshans, um, you know, starts the year at a, a AAA. I think that's, you know, this bench spot this infield bench spot for me is definitely fluid and there's tons of guys that could be there we've also got um you know xavier edwards in there as well not sure on the pronunciation on that javier xavier z x i don't know um it's tough to pronounce as as is being the the common theme this <laughs> miss marlin's off season but fundamentally there is a ton of middle infielders there's tons of them and it's going to be interesting to see who pops everyone's going to be given an opportunity and you know, there's like I said, Arias is is you know inked in right now. It says at second base. For me, that's subject to change because you know it's it's going to be an ask for him defensively, um, and the Marlins are going to want him to be playing every day. There's going to be need for him to spend time at, at first base. It's going to be a need for him to be DHing. So that is intriguing. I think what is most intriguing for me is this Joey Wendell at shortstop situation. You know, we've it seemingly this is the way it's going um, with Wendell. When we look at Wendell, it's fair to say his offensive year was up and down, I would say, in, in 22. He started well. I remember that first that first month. You know, it was um, <laughs> the plumber. The, the plumber was doing his thing, uh, was hitting over 300 in, in, in April. So we absolutely came in scorching. Um, then obviously dealt with some hamstring issues. Uh, the rest of the year was kind of up and down, up and down. I had a terrible August. Uh, had a really good September in, in a, you know, a shorter period. Um, and finished the year a bit stronger. But yeah, overall, it was, you know, probably a little bit underwhelming for for Joey Wendell when we look at it. An OPS of 657. So, you know, not a ton of power there. Um, you know, in, in terms of the you know, the numbers and, and where he stacks up in terms of his career, you know, for me, I think the thing that made, mainly stuck out was just the lack of walks from Wendell. I don't know why, but I assumed that he would walk more than he, than he does. Um, actually, for, from his career perspective, he's never been amazing um, but it was his career low uh, walk percentage, only 4% at the time. The K percentage dropped as well right through the floor. So Ks were down, walks were down. Uh, so a lot of contact, but a lot of weak contact, I guess, for, for Joey Wendell. And the interesting bit is, can he handle shortstop? Is he is he going to be able to handle it there defensively? 
And I think if you look at, uh, if you go to Baseball Savant, for example, which is is what I'm doing, uh, to me, there looks to be a decent chance that, that Wendell can, you know, that Wendell can, can make it stick there at short. I mean, from a uh, outs above average perspective, it was it was his best position. Three outs above average in, in 2022. So the indication there is that Wendell can handle it um, at shortstop. Um, I've also mentioned as well the other day, like when we're talking about John Birdie, John Birdie can definitely handle uh, third base very well. When I look at Wendell, he was a, a negative two outs above average at third base. Second base, he also was a two outs above average. Slightly less amount of playing time versus shortstop there in, in, in that position. So, yeah, overall with Wendell, what we're seeing is, you know, he can handle it at short. Um, he's been an above average shortstop. Uh, at third, it's a bit more of a, a, a stretch for him. At second base, it's been fine. Um, so, again, this is another intriguing aspect here is what happens with Wendell in general? What has he got left to prove? And is he actually, is is he definitely going to be take this job at shortstop? For me, there's... There's definitely Jacob Amaya that's going to be looking to have this real battle with, with Joey Wendell. Clearly, Wendell's going to make the roster, right? But the question then comes is, can can Jacob Amaya win, win a job? Can he win a roster spot at opening day? If the defense absolutely pops, you've then got a righty stick that's shown some power at the, the minor league level um, prior to the trade. So you've then got a righty stick that you can potentially platoon with Joey Wendell and all of a sudden, you've got some really elite defense back, a platoon partner, Joey Wendell doing his thing at short as well. Contact, you know, heavy guy. We need to get him back to, you know, the early start of the campaign. But again, for me, the, the, the opportunity is there for Amaya definitely to push someone like Jordan Groshans for certain and Garrett Hampson. Like, there's a lot of guys, a lot of similar guys and profiles vying for these, for these you know, these infield jobs. And it isn't just the, the opening day roster guys, as we have to say. You know, within a month, there's going to be at least one or two of these guys that are going to be up up at the major league level because you know people get dinged up, they get hurt. It happens every year. We saw it last year, right? Like soon enough, Williams Astadio's up, and that's just the reality. And so there's going to be playing time for them, and it's just in spring who can impress most, who can really start to push home their you know the next man up situation um, from from a Marlins perspective as the year goes on. Gene Segura, we haven't really talked about, but you know, as I've already mentioned, I assumed that Gene Segura was going to be the second baseman when the Marlins went and went and acquired him. Um, it looks like they're going to go with Gene uh, a third right now. That's what they're telling us. Like I already said earlier in the offseason, it was easy to say Gene Segura is playing third because no one else on the roster was playing third. That was easy to say. And in many ways, for the Marlins to say Luis Arias is playing second base is easy to say when you're saying Jazz Chisholm's moving to center field, if they hadn't said that information about Jazz, it asks a whole host of questions and there's no answers right now. And so for me, there is so much water to go under the bridge here. Can Gene Segura make it work at third base? The Marlins are asking him to do what he's got to do. Is he going to see playing time at second base? For me, Arias is going to be moved around. So does Gene Segura become that guy? that gets more of the, the kind of playing time at second when Arias isn't there. Is Arias even ever really going to play second base? There's so many questions here at second base, to be honest with you. Where does John Birdie fit in? Like I've already said, for me, Birdie, his value seems to be associated with, well, the super util role. But if there's a need to play him um, every day, probably that need would be seen, his value would be greatest at third base. And so if there if something does happen to, let's say, 
Arias is at second base, gets hurt, you know, who's going to slide into second base? For me, you would likely move Gene Segura over there uh, and then get Birdie taken over at third base. That, to me, is what the numbers defensively are telling us. It's interesting to see the way the Marlins kind of mix and match their their roster and their you know the the way they set up in the infield. Like I said, it's new rules. Everything's everything's different this year. Uh, the Marlins did rely heavily on the shift last year. They were one of the most shiftiest teams, <laughs> if that's the right way of phrasing it. And so this is going to impact them. They're a pitching and defense team, and so it's going to be very intriguing to see the way this infield defense in particular lines up. And whether what the Marlins have put out there and what Kim Ang has put out there in terms of Arias at second, Zagura at third, Jazz and center, whether that actually comes to fruition. And if it doesn't, how will everything evolve around that? I can certainly see a pathway of Jacob Amaya being on the opening day roster and spending every every other day, every third day at shortstop um, for the Marlins this year and platooning perhaps with Wendell. I could certainly see that happening. I could certainly see a situation where Gene Segura ends up at second base and Arias ends up in another spot, be it a first or DH or wherever it might be. And and I hope, I hope that we don't see a spot where Jazz goes out of center field and looks completely lost out there. I'd be stunned if that was the situation. But the reality is no one knows. He's never played out there ever before. And if it goes wonky, then they need a plan B. And for me, that is the biggest question. It's the biggest battle around second base because if it does go wonky, Jazz has got to play somewhere else. If it can't be center field, it has to be either uh, second base or shortstop. I'll take a breath. (laughs) Hope you've enjoyed that episode, guys. That has been almost a brain dump. It's It's that crowded, the infield, second base and short, and so many things linked to it that I've just spilled out 20 minutes of front and center thoughts on Peter Pratt's mind. <laughs> that, that's often known as a, a worrying or dangerous thing. But nevertheless, guys, thanks for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. Like I said, later on today, tonight uh, for the UK, uh, guys, the WBC rosters will be fully announced. So we will know which Marlins will be involved, which Marlins, maybe even former Marlins, may be coming uh, to Lone Depot uh, as part of the, 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 the tournament. We'll wait and see on that one. Um, we'll also know who's playing for Great Britain, which to me personally is very intriguing. Um, but we will see you again tomorrow. We'll dig into those rosters. And then if we do also have time, we will talk about perhaps uh, shortstop, third base. And then as we look ahead, we'll then get into the outfield and what battles exist. Um, if you are thinking about your second listen of the day, then I'd recommend, strongly recommend you head over to uh, Locked On MLB Prospects, Lindsey Crosby, He absolutely smashes that one, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your pods. Much like Locked On Marlins, that is me, Peter Pratt, signing out, and I'll be back tomorrow.